0: Hey Dinks, welcome to Dennis in the Know. This is your backstage pass for current trends, politics and education in the dental world. I'm Dr. Jeff Horowitz. With me is Dr. Jennifer Bell, you know her as JB, and Dr. Chad Deplanus. We are all practicing dentists, we are all educators, and we are all business owners. Our job is to bring all of you in the know. Friends out there in the Dinks world, I have JB on the screen with me.
1: He let you know me why? come up early.
0: Yeah. You know what? Chad's not here. That means we can have fun tonight.
1: We can do whatever we want.
0: Because I can convince you to be really positive tonight, and we won't have that Chad bringing us down.
1: Always. Always.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey guys, this is Jeff Horowitz.
0: Yeah, (laughs) this is Jeff Horowitz with Dennis in the Know and welcome to Hump Day Happy Hour. I'm with Dr. Jennifer Bell and unfortunately Dr. Chad Duplantis couldn't be with us tonight, but we're going to have a great show for you anyway. So, you know the routine, what we do here. We are all dentists, we are all educators, and we are all practice owners. And we kind of think it's our job to help bring you in the know. So, we're going to have something light or not so light to drink. We're going to have some great conversation. We're going to have some fun. And tonight, We have an amazing periodontist that I actually got to study under uh, a little bit, uh, learning about one of the new additions from the DECA laser lineup, which is their NDAG laser. And uh, we'll be talking about that tonight. We'll be talking about laser-assisted periodontics because I'm really excited that that Dr. Avi was able to uh, make it to the show. So, Um, Avi, I'm going to go ahead and bring you up and I'm going to do a little introduction. So here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Avi Shetrit, who I had the pleasure of meeting um, at Deerfield Deerfield Beach in Florida. Uh, Dr. Shetrit is a board certified periodontist. He grew up in Montreal, Canada where he finished his studies at McGill University and then went on to receive his Doctor of Dental Medicine at the University of Montreal. Bienvenue, Avi! Merci, merci. (laughs) After two years in private practice, uh, Dr. Shetrit attended the University of British Columbia, where he completed a periodontal residency program. And he is now a diplomate of the American Board of Periodontology and a diplomate of the International Congress of Oral Implantologists. Dr. Avi, as he likes to be called, is a devoted educator. Lectures nationally and internationally on soft tissue procedures, laser periodontal therapy, bone regeneration, and implants. And he's authored several articles and textbook chapters on these same topics. So. Uh, Dr. Avi, thank you for joining us and
2: well, go ahead. Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Jeff. It's a pleasure to meet you as well, JB. Same. And uh, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the stories or the news, uh, the news stories you shared. And it's interesting, the last uh, comment you were talking about, about the uh, lack of graduates who uh, want to go into private practice. And I can tell you, I have two children that have finished university and for them, uh, not in dentistry but it's the lifestyle is a huge factor in their decision making mm-hmm. for 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 looking for a career um so I think that's that's a big part of it yeah
1: I agree and that means, I, I honestly oh, go
2: sorry I honestly think some of the new grads just don't work want to work as hard as we do
1: same
0: i it, it's it's still amazing because we're trying to apply our logic right. to a, you know to a, a different mindset and um, and and it should be obvious to us that there's a different mindset, but we still want to impose our own logic on it. So,
2: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was a very telling moment for me. My daughter, who's 21 and is going to graduate with a graphic design uh, major, when we started talking about university, I said, you know, why don't you consider dentistry? You've got, you know, A, a mentor, and B, a, an opportunity to join a practice. And she looked at me and she said, I don't want to work as hard as you do.
0: Yeah. I, I think my oldest son is of that mindset. <laughs> there you have it, JB. What were you going to say?
1: Well, I to their credit, they have better work-life balance. Um, so you know, it's it's like finding the 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 balance between the different. Isn't, isn't that
0: what this is for?
1: Yes. Yes. Isn't this work Cheers. Cheers by way. the way. Absolutely. But yes, I've observed it in my own associates. You know, when we bring in younger grads to come into the office, you know, very few of them are looking for full time um, and, and, you know, are going to work the way that, I mean, at their age, I was doing three different jobs. I just wanted to get good at what I was doing and uh, would not turn down any opportunity to treat patient because I knew I had so much still to learn. So. Just a different, uh, either my own lack of confidence or a different mindset. But uh, there was no end to my ability to want to push forward and be better.
0: So I would, um, I, I would say that that that's something that really is deeply ingrained in you, or it isn't. Where mm-hmm. you just want, we just want to excel at whatever it is that you're doing, and. And I don't know if that is taught to you by your parents or if it's just something that's born into you, but you either have that or, or you don't. And it doesn't mean that, that you don't want to be uh, clinically adept. It just means that y- you don't want your work-life balance to suffer as a result of Correct. getting to that level, which I've always been okay with, you know, good or bad. Most yeah. people would say bad.
1: Well, Dr. Avi, can you tell me a little bit since, you know, we're just meeting for the first time, I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey and your story of, you know, deciding to become a dentist. What did that look like? Did you come from a family of dentists and that's what pushed you in that direction? And then, you know, sort of uh, how you ended up in perio and, and just that whole kind of di- uh, diagram.
2: So uh, my pleasure to share that. So no, not a family of dentists. Uh, I come from a blue collar family. I grew up in Montreal, Canada. And at a very young age, I decided I wanted to be a dentist. Um, I think it's because I had uh, so much dental work as a child. Mm -hmm. And uh, the dentist we had, Dr. Stanley Bloom, I still remember him. Very gentle person. Um, I admired him. And I decided I was fortunate very early on in high school. I knew I was going to be a dentist, and I, you know, I did a bachelor's degree with the hope of of uh, attending dental school. And I just followed that path. So I did a bachelor's first at McGill, as as Jeff mentioned, bachelor in in, uh, in anatomy, uh, focusing on cellular anatomy. And I know I look very cool and suave, uh, but I actually was a geek and a nerd in in in, uh, in school. Hey, Jeff.
0: Apparently, it's come to our attention that you and I suck at the news. Yeah, Chad, um, I've actually kind of known that for a while. and, And that's why what we've had to do is give people more of what they really deserve, which is more JB. So we actually have a segment now called News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. In fact, I like the idea of JB's News on the Go with Dennis in the Know. So stay tuned for that. It's its own podcast. I'm really excited about it. And guess what? There's no Chad and Jeff.
2: You know, I went on to dental school. I loved it. And I had two mentors. I had actually the director of the Perio program, Jean Turgeon, and uh, the head of the the graduate Perio. Well, sorry, not the graduate Perio, but the clinical Perio, um, uh, Alan Shapiro, who mentored me. And I just loved Perio. I really, really loved it. I just like the medical aspect of it. I like the m- microbiology, and so I practiced for two years. And I'm not going to say I was bored, but I just I found it somewhat overwhelming to be honest with you to to do everything. So, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go be a period honest. And at the time um, in Canada, there were only two schools: there was University of Toronto and uh, University of British Columbia that offered the perio program. So that's in, Toronto had eight spots per year. Um, you know. UBC had four, so there were basically 12 spots available in Canada, and I was fortunate enough to get one. So uh, I did the perio residency, and I never looked back. I mean, I just love perio. I love the interaction with patients. I love the the technology. One of the things that was interesting to me, and still to this day, as far as dental literature, perio has the longest history of actually having scientific literature. So I learned very early on to base my decision on scientific research and i think that's huge because you know a lot of the stuff that's sold today is anecdotal and whenever a rep comes into the office and says you got to try this product it's amazing and i go why you know what's the research so show me something some literature so uh, that's that's basically my background
0: so avi on, on that note um let me just for everyone out there um Where I met Avi was at a course, you all know I'm a big advocate for lasers, I've used the DECA CO2 laser for a long time, got to know the company very well, got to know the quality of the products um, incredibly well. And um, they actually decided to bring on an NDAG laser, which I was very excited about, to um, begin this journey into uh laser assisted perio and and Deca has been around in the medical arena with lasers and and other technologies as well forever. Um, but my first real deep dive into this because I was excited about what it could do. as you said, Avi, there uh the literature has to be there. There has to be the information to to support this. And of course, we know MDAG has been used for a while um, in this arena for um, for regenerative therapies, uh, periodontal therapies. But when this came out, I, I said to Justin Mangelsdorf, who who is the president of deca US, um, we we really uh, we need to learn. I mean, we need to learn the biology here. We can't just Go out. You can't just put this in the hands of people and say, here's a clinical technique. This is what I want you to do. We need to understand the science because, you know, I've always said and, and JB and Chad are the same way. It's OK if you want to take on procedures that specialists do, but you better be able to provide those services at the level and with the same understanding that the specialist can provide it, otherwise it absolutely needs to be referred. So I met Avi um, at his office in Deerfield Beach, Florida, um, and was just so impressed. He did a presentation for us. We saw some patients at his office, and um, so maybe what what we should do here is tell us um, when your passion or your interest in laser assisted perio began. And tell us a little bit about that journey, where where that's gone from the early implementation of NDAG laser and in, in periodonics to where we are now and and some of what you're doing in your office.
2: Absolutely, Jeff. So um You know, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but I was trained with resective surgery. So I was trained that when there is a periodontal patient, you basically open up the gums, scrape the teeth, and stitch everything back up. And uh, for those of you who have had the procedure or are performing the procedure, you know that it's quite traumatic to the patient. You end up with exposed root surfaces, uh, there's a lot of post-operative sensitivity. Uh, the teeth are considerably longer. Um, you know, it's. I, I like to uh, to tell the story of my graduate uh, program director. His name was Hanu Larieva, and he had a sign behind his desk that said, it's better to have longer teeth than no longer teeth. And what that refers to is essentially resective periodontal surgery. And it works. I mean, you can take a seven, eight millimeter pocket and turn it into a two or three millimeter pocket if you cut away the gum essentially. But there's obviously cosmetic issues post-operatively, there's thermal sensitivity issues. So I was always looking for a more, or I should say a less invasive way to treat, to treat periodontal disease. You know, just like in the past we used to do free gingival grafts, I'm now doing considerably more connective tissue grafts for root coverage. And you know, the the problem with periodontal disease is that the bacteria that cause periodontal disease are normal oral flora. So you're never going to eliminate them. Obviously, it has to do with with the quantity of those bacteria, uh, the, the transformation. You know, we thought it was bacteria initially, but it's actually a biofilm, which is a, a colony of bacteria that adheres to the tooth, and it's very difficult to eliminate. So I guess the NDAG came on the scene about 15 years ago. Um, and, you know, I would see some anecdotal x rays of, of patients who have had it. And the results were astounding uh, to perform essentially a non surgical procedure. And, it, it, you know, when you think of surgery in the conventional way, you're thinking of cutting and opening up the gums and, you know, using a, a 15 blade. Um, so I said, well, I've got to look into this because either it's all smoke and mirrors or there's something to it. And I was, at the, at that point, about 15 years ago, discouraged by the lack of, of science behind it. Nobody was sure how it worked. There was some biostimulation effect of the NDAG laser, but they weren't sure why. They weren't sure how. You know, certainly it, it killed bacteria. We, we know now that it disrupts the biofilm. It also targets the pigmented bacteria that are most often associated with periodontal pathogens. So after you know, speaking to some colleagues, looking into it a little bit more, I, I took a leap of faith and I and I decided to purchase an NDAG laser. And to be honest with you, I was shocked with my own success in the sense that the results were astounding. They were really far superior than what I had anticipated. Um, and I can tell you from the from my practices perspective, it's been a huge boost because. Patients who have had periodontal surgery don't want to do it again. Conventional resective surgery, and patients who are apprehensive about periodontal surgery because they all go on YouTube and and you know see horrible things uh, like the idea of a laser treatment. You know, lasers, as you know, are in vogue for for all sorts of medical procedures, both uh, curative and 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 cosmetic. So, I think the timing was perfect in the sense that lasers are becoming more sophisticated. Uh, Their applications are are greater. And for my personal practice, I see the advantage of using the NDAG laser. And when DECA came out with their NDAG laser, like like you, Jeff, I had had a lot of experience with their CO2 laser, which was, to me, the best soft tissue and is today the best soft tissue laser out there. But the applications to periodontal therapy were limited because they're they're not using a fiber optic. So the, the ability to get into a pocket that's eight or nine millimeters deep is very limited. Uh, the NDA uses a fiber optic uh, delivery system. So that fiber optic, uh, that fiber rather, is 300 microns in diameter, which is small enough to insert to the depth of a pocket and deliver the energy and deliver it in a very precise way to affect only the the soft tissue surrounding that tooth and the uh, essentially the the root surface. So I've been using it in the practice for over 10 years now, not the DECA per se, because they just introduced it about a year or two ago. Um, and the patient acceptance is incredible. Results are phenomenal, but also post-operative sensitivity is virtually non-existent. People that I see, I so typically I'll see them at a week follow-up, and 90% of the people tell me, I took a Tylenol the first day, and then I'm not even sure you did anything, because I had no pain, no swelling, no bruising. Whereas in the past, when I did four quads of osteosurgery, I didn't want to see them the week after, because they'd be really upset with me. I'd wait for two weeks. <laughs> um, but I think certainly for Every practitioner, not not just periodontist, I think it's it's really a an adjunct to uh, conventional periodontal therapy. Uh, what the other thing that's I think huge in in my practice is the treatment of peri You know, when I so I'm going to date myself. I did my period residency in the early 90s, so I know I don't look that old, but I am um, and you know when we were, so in the early 90s you know Branemark was on the forefront of of implant therapy and my colleagues were saying well that's the end of perio that's the end of endo everything's going to be an implant uh turns out they were completely wrong and you know at least in my practice i'll see 2-3 periimplantitis cases a week where the implant was placed a few years ago everything was fine but now there's bone loss around that implant and conventional therapy is is not ideal i mean essentially you're going to have to open up that implant try to clean it out and and graft the area if you can but the decontamination of a of a contaminated implant surface is almost impossible because of the micro porosity the you know micro structure of that implant surface which is great to attract bone but also attracts bacteria So I think on on both fronts, on on periodontal disease and peri-implant disease, the NDAG is really quite
1: revolutionary. Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind-the-scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full-access pass into the world of plastic surgery combining their expertise and training. Doctors Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field. We've got something for everyone. Um, For our general dentist folks out there, Can you give them some uh, post-operative guidelines about what they should be doing to manage if it's a co-share patient where, you know, they're going to return back to their GP at that point? Um, What are some of the guidelines that they should be adhering to in their practice for perio maintenance of those patients? And then also, what's the expected life expectancy of those treatments? Uh, Nothing's forever. So, you know, you go in and do laser treatment today. What What's a reasonable expectation in which that may or may not need to be retreated again?
2: You know what, that's a fantastic question, JB. And uh, what I tell my restorative colleagues, my my referral base, but also my patients is the determining factor is patient home care. And I tell my patients that because I can go in there and do the absolute best surgical, non-surgical therapy that I am able to do. But if they don't follow up with adequate home care, it's it's bound to fail, and it'll fail quickly. It'll fail within a year or two. Whereas if someone maintains adequate oral hygiene and maintains follow ups, and I'm a strict believer in the three month follow up. Um, however, having said that, there are I have some patients that are on eight week follow up because their home care is just not adequate. But if they they're compliant. With home care and the, the maintenance visits, you know, and I tell patients this too. I may have to retreat an area or two, five six years down the road, but it's very unlikely I'll have to retreat the entire dentition again. Um, one of the things I, I want to stress too that I don't think we talk about enough in dentistry, at least when I was in school, um, in, in my uh, you know initial dental degree, is occlusion. You know, at all our recall visits, I take that little blue paper and I check occlusion because occlusion, as you know, is not static. It's dynamic. It changes. It changes almost daily. And if the there's excessive non-working contacts, if there's excessive off-axis loading, both of teeth and implants, the periodontal structures are going to suffer. So it's it's... You know, it's 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 a tough follow-up in the sense that it's not just you're going to come in and get your teeth cleaned. We've got to check the occlusion. Um, we probe regularly at our recall visits. We monitor patients carefully because I think it's very easy to correct something when you see it right off the bat. Whereas if you don't see it for a year after it's happened, there's a lot more destruction going on.
1: For sure, absolutely.
2: I don't, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, question, no, absolutely. Sometimes I just start talking. No, I I perfect.
0: no this, this this is amazing. So I think one of the things that, that I was really taken back by is, uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we saw the pendulum swing in this direction of, oh, my goodness, this, this tooth has a five millimeter pocket. Take it out. Put an implant in. This tooth has decay that's approaching the crestal bone. Take it out, put an implant in. Why are you messing with something that's unpredictable? And what we've learned over the years is, you know, guess what? We have a lot of the same problems with implants, maybe not caries, but we have a lot of the same periodontal concerns with implants, even though the uh, histology is a little bit different. It, it It's essentially the same problems that we're finding, and, and it needs to be managed Uh, probably even more closely. And so what took me back at, at your office were the first case that we did, I say we, that you did, I watched. But when we were there, the first case was one that all of us in the room looked around and said, every single one of us would have told this patient to have that tooth out. And in fact, that patient came to you because they were told that they needed to have the tooth out and have an implant put in. And yet you were able to offer not a guarantee of success, but you were able to offer some amount or or some realistic longevity expectation to the patient. And they were great with that. And so, you know, dentists always think in terms of, Well, this is what's going to last longest. This is all you're allowed to do, but yet several of your patients that were there were were really look. I don't know what else to do. They're telling me to get my teeth out, and and you're my last hope, Doctor Avi. So maybe talk a little bit more about that about how quick we are to to doom teeth and and how many people are so into this thing of absolutes that. You have to do it my way or no way at all.
2: So I'm going to tell you uh, an interesting story. And the a patient, I actually saw this week. So this patient came to me seven years ago in tears saying that her dentist said all her teeth had to come out, not two or three, all of them, 32 teeth, because there was a full complement of teeth and person in their early 50s. And I, you know, I I looked at the radiographs and I did my clinical exam and certainly one could say, yes, we're going to take out all your teeth and put you on an all on, you know, all on X type uh, prosthesis and we're done. But I think nobody thinks about the psychological impact of that. Well, I I shouldn't say nobody, but, you know, to to tell someone who is dentate, you're going to lose all your teeth. I think psychologically is traumatic. and. I said to her, well, cuz she found me through my website that we do laser therapy and she said as you had mentioned Jeff, it's my it might be my last hope. I said, you know, you're in bad shape. We're not going to be able to save all your teeth for the rest of your life, but if you're willing to trust me, we're going to try some laser therapy. You're going to I'm going to see you every 3 months, I may see you every 2 months. Uh, and I can tell you I saw her this week and out of 32 teeth we lost four of them on in a seven-year period um and she is so grateful she every time i see her basically she thanks me for for saving her teeth and those are not uncommon stories you know i think we're very quick our our dental colleagues i can tell you especially the young ones depending on where they were trained You know, I was trained to do root root hemisections. I was trained to do root amputations. And some of the older colleagues I work with will still do that. And it works. And I, you know, I try when I go out and speak about implants, when I speak about laser therapy, to try to impress on on our colleagues that even a a, a periodontally involved tooth with a poor prognosis with proper treatment and maintenance, I can keep that thing alive for years. You know, maybe not ten years, but certainly four or five. And as long as we don't have progressive attachment loss, you know, I, I can take out the implant, the tooth, when we decide it's the right time for the patient. So I think we're we're really quick to 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 look at long-term prognosis of a tooth and and condemn it, but I think we also have to take into account that. You know, an implant may be the best thing to replace a missing tooth, but it's not as good as the initial tooth. You know, biomechanically, it doesn't have a periodontal ligament. It's susceptible to, uh, to periodontal disease just as much as a tooth is, and to some extent more so, because the soft tissue attachment to an implant is not as strong as that of a tooth. So the loss of attachment occurs quite rapidly. So I think it's you know almost incumbent upon us as as the older generation of of, of of dentists to to impart a little wisdom in that you know don't be so quick to condemn a tooth um, you know a, a crown lengthening is a perfectly good solution to a to decay that's gone subcrestal. Um I have done root amputations typically it's the mesiobuccal root of a maxillary first molar and it works. You know, if 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 I have one bad root, why am I going to condemn a tooth that has a huge palatal root and a distobuccal root where we can maintain it even if it's for 5 or 6 years, it works. So I think that's that's crucial and I think the laser helps me do that because it's non-invasive. The results are good, and in an infrabony defect, if I do a thorough debridement of that of that infrabony defect, I will get regeneration. It's it's you know it, you have to let the body heal itself, and it will if you remove the the the, the bacteria that are causing the the uh, the inflammatory reaction.
0: Hey, Dinks podcast listeners! After the show, be sure and rate and review your favorite Dink. I mean. Rate and review Dinks as one of your favorite podcasts.
1: I heard that.
0: We'd love to hear what you have to say. Thanks for listening in. See you next time.
1: For doctors who don't have an NDAG or or aren't in a financial place to acquire one right now, um, I I think the AAP did come out sort of more open-ended on at least using laser therapy of any wavelength might have value. Can we talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, I don't want to poo-poo the AAP, but because that would not be the appropriate thing Fair. to do. But uh, so let's move on from that. Okay. I will say too, I'm di- I'm disappointed. I'm not the first periodontist you've had on your on your podcast, but we're at episode <laughs> we're, we're, we're at episode 170, so I guess that would be presumptuous of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think part of the issue with with paranormal therapy, there's you know, when we look at periodontal disease, there's In my mind, there's three things there's bacteria, there's host response, and there's occlusion. And I think mechanical debridement alone, as far as getting in with curettes, especially in a a closed, unless you're going to flap it, is very inefficient. Root surfaces are not smooth. Our instruments, you know, certainly in frications, cannot go into the frication area. So I think any laser, even a diode laser, with, with appropriate training and appropriate, uh, you know, settings will go in there and at least dis- disrupt the biofilm. And that's crucial to, to to allowing that, that pocket to heal. So I think just about any laser therapy as an adjunct to conventional mechanical therapy will be beneficial. Certainly you're not going to get the biostimulation effect. You're not going to get the targeted uh, effect that the NDAG has on, on red pigmented bacteria, but you're still going to have yeah. an effect that's beneficial. Yeah.
0: Will you talk a little bit while, while we're on this topic? Because, I, I mean, there, there really are what I've learned several distinct advantages to using an NDAG for this application. And uh, one of them is the ability to actually uh, seal off the, the sulcus to some degree. Um, one of them is uh, obviously the... Uh, the ability to target specific bacteria. And then, but certainly that, that biostimulation component, I think is huge. Would you just talk to maybe what you see as the distinct advantages of, of using an NDAG as opposed to, you know, basically every laser company out there is saying you can use this for, and they all have these types of Assisted perio procedures, and and uh, but I, I think it's important to really talk about some of the science and say yes, you can, you will disrupt biofilm, you'll kill bacteria, um, and and there will certainly be disinfection. But what what are some of the distinct advantages of using NDAG?
2: I think the the wavelength lends itself more to periodontal disease. First of all, it, it essentially targets periodontal pathogens. Um, it also, because of the of the fiber optic uh, configuration, and, you know, we know in periodontal disease that the bacteria are not just in the pocket; they actually infiltrate into the soft tissue, into the crevicular epithelium, um, and into some of the dental tubuli. So, in order to essentially disinfect that area you've got to eliminate bacteria in those reservoirs and that's where the the Ndag really shines you know if we look at a at a uh, diode laser the the energy is really focused at the tip whereas the Ndag is radiating apically and downward from that fiber so it's 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 going to eliminate or essentially remove the crevicular epithelium that has bacterial infiltration in it um, and lastly, as you mentioned, the the ability to biostimulate, the ability to stimulate the non-differentiated mesenchymal stem cells in the uh, cancellous bone uh, around the tooth and differentiate those into osteoblasts to form new bone uh, and cementoblasts to form new cementum to, to create true periodontal regeneration. And there is literature out there, uh, human histology, that shows that after the use of an NDAG laser, uh, these were on, on patients who had the teeth subsequently ex- extracted and, and block sections taken, you actually see new cementum forming, new periodontal ligament, new, new, uh, new bone, which is the definition of periodontal regeneration. So it's really the only laser wavelength to be able to do that. So for, from that perspective alone, I think that's the gold standard as far as periodontal laser therapy.
1: Are you able to expand your NDAG usage? Because you talked about the CO2 laser as well. Um, is the NDAG just your perio workhorse? Is it just doing perio treatment? Are you able to expand that out to other soft tissue applications? And, and how are you balancing your use between a CO2 and the NDAG?
2: Well, that's that, you know, I, I could expand on it, JB, but I choose not to. Okay. I'm, I'm joking. Of I thought, I thought we we're going to
1: have some question. light banter here. Great question. You know what? She doesn't know I, you that
2: well yet. I, I see.
0: Yeah, All but, right. but hey, we're, I, I think we just got there.
1: Yeah, we're there
0: now. (laughs) We're there now. Game on.
1: I just needed a window.
2: (laughs) Okay, there you go. So I can tell you in my practice, yes, you can do other procedures with the NDA. You can use it for gingivectomy. You can use it for frenectomies. But I find it not as precise and not as focused for soft tissue procedures as the CO2 laser. The CO2 laser, in my mind, specifically the... uh, the 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 DECA Ultra Pulse, Pulse Laser um, is, is the number one soft tissue laser. I use it for, I mean, essentially with the settings that you can modify, I can remove one cell layer at a time. So it's extremely precise. It gives me a lot of control. Um, the, it obviously creates uh, hemostasis as you use it. So there's very little bleeding. There's very little post-operative discomfort. So, to me, the CO2 is the laser I want to use for any soft tissue procedures, gingivectomies, pharnectomies, removal of a mucoseal. Very, very effective at doing that. Can you do it with the NDAG? Yes, but it's really, at least not in my hands, as efficient or as effective. You know, the fiber optic is I'm not going to say flimsy, but it's it's really designed to go to the depth of a pocket to to cut something out or use that as a as as your end tip for a for a gingivectomy i find is is really not as efficient what's nice about the c o two is it's a non contact laser, so I'm actually not touching the tissues with the, the laser. So the, the penetration, depending on the setting, is not as deep. I have much less charring of the tissue, much less burning of the tissue. So I think there, you know, I'd love to say there's one laser that'll do everything, but that's just not been my experience. And I think the CO2 is your laser for soft tissue, uh, you know, absolutely the, the best laser out there, the DECA CO2. And for periodontal procedures, I think the NDX is the way to go.
0: That's such a great. I'm so glad that that you said that because I think so many dentists are talked into, you know, you can do everything with this laser, and and on the showroom floors and and I I get it. You want to try to consolidate as much as you can, but just based on on the science and the wavelengths and and you know, the chromophores and, and what each wavelength is going to be absorbed by. There is no laser that can do all those things. There is no laser that's going to be great on bone that you're going to be able to go into a sulcus and, and do what you're talking about doing with a, a 300 micron fiber optic, um, you know, uh, uh, lead. So there, there are so many, um, you know, I, I think... The most important thing as far as lasers go are understanding what your laser is good at, what your laser isn't good at, and just saying, you know, if you really want to do a procedure that there's another wavelength that's better, then do that. Go go into it that way, and it will be absolutely worth it. And I guess that's what I've appreciated about DECA so much is that they've actually spent the time with me to – to for me to truly understand the science behind what they're trying to do, and they're not trying to be a, you know, here just by our CO two, this does everything. Just by our NDAG, this does everything. Here's what these do. If you want to start with the laser that'll do the most procedures for you, great. Um, but it, 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 there is no one laser that can do it all, and and I think that that's such a powerful message.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. JP, we're at 930 already.
1: I know it went by so fast.
0: By the way, did you hear he said penetration?
1: I didn't want to bring it up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, really? mean, we can have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and on that note, I'll I'll going you both we're good to close the show. This is, this is why there's no HR department at Dennis in the mm-hmm. No.
2: Yeah, thankfully.
1: And while <laughs> our editors stay very busy after. Yes,
0: we keep them busy. Anyway, um, Avi, thank you so much for being on. Um, I, I would love to, uh, well, first of all, I, I was sorry I didn't get to uh, be with you at the last meeting, um, but look forward to being with you again and learning more from you because um, I just picked up so much in your office and and appreciate what you're doing for patients and and, and appreciate your open-mindedness. And, um, and, and even with that, your open-mindedness in the context of still following what the literature tells us is the right thing to do. So um, what a pleasure it was having you. Thank
2: you very much, uh, Jeff, JB, for uh, inviting me this evening. It's, it's, it was a lot of fun, And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you both again. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. JB, you want to close us out?
1: Thanks. It's been another week in the trenches, but we really appreciate you hanging out with us. And we hope you'll join us again next week. Uh, It will be Thanksgiving, actually. So uh, hopefully you've got some fun holiday plans and and looking forward to catching up with everybody. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and we'll talk soon. Have a great night.
0: Good night, everyone. hey dinks that's it for today just wanted to say thank you for being a part of dentists in the know you know dentistry is an amazing profession but it's more rewarding when you're in the know